Welcome to this week's On The Fly edition. I'm your host, Gene DiFilippo, and our guest this week is the very successful Director of Athletics at Virginia Tech and longtime friend, Whit Babcock. Hello, Whit. Hi, Gene. Good to be here. Well, I tell you what, it's great to have you. You know, there'll be a lot of people out there listening. Um, you've done a terrific job through your journey. Take a few minutes and tell everybody about your journey following your graduation from James Madison University. Yeah, no, it's fun to reflect back on it. Um, I'll start a little earlier than that, but I I grew up in the household of a coach. Um, I'm a coach's son. My dad was a head baseball coach and assistant football coach. Maybe like Eugene, when you coached, you did multiple sports, and he did that at James Madison University, and um, then they got really good in baseball, and he just focused on that, but he took a Division three program to division one in the college world series in Omaha in 11 years, you know, that would be tough to do in this era, but I grew up in a household of a coach that was really successful. And, um, I believe that certainly gives me maybe an understanding, maybe a small advantage in AD world to be able to relate to coaches. Um, but I did not want to coach. He would come home and say, good Lord with the fate of your jobs in the hands of 18 and 19 year olds. And, um, he he went out uh, of coaching on top. He retired at 50. I'm now 52, so that's hard to comprehend. Um, and then he went into athletic administration. I thought, well, I don't like coaching, but this seems like a pretty neat um, career. And then I went on to play baseball at a very average level uh, for the next head coach. So got a little student athlete experience for four years, but not good enough to to play pro. And then I went to graduate school, got a master's. I thought I wanted to work in professional baseball. So my first job was $1,000 a month working for a AAA baseball team in Nashville. And Was that the sounds with? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. And, um, and that taught me how to do everything, right? One thing minor league baseball does will we'll teach you that. And then I, that owner owned another um, minor league team in Huntsville, Alabama. It was a double A team. And I went all the way up to $17,000 a year, and um, I sold things in the offseason, and during the season, I ran concession stands and parking and and all of that, and I was hiring lots of people at age 22 or 23, and um, uh, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. I learned, learned a lot there, and then um, I really wanted to get back into college athletics. You know, I had done my time uh, there, learned a lot. I've been at James Madison University, and then I moved to Auburn, um, and then to West Virginia, and then I moved out to Missouri um, as the number two guy out there, and a guy named Mike Alden really took me under his wing, um, taught me a ton, and then I guess 11 or 12 years ago, I, I was fortunate enough to earn the AD job at Cincinnati, and a few years there, my dream job of uh, Virginia Tech came up, and I've now been here nine years, it is definitely a different challenge to lead. Um, you know, I've always been a startup, five years, let's go, let's go. And now, um, as you know, from your time, uh, it's an even bigger challenge to sustain it, but I enjoy it and I love being here and um, don't know what else I'd be doing if it weren't in athletics, you know, selling something, I guess. You know, what? I'm glad that you mentioned your dad. Um, 
he was one great person, one heck of a good baseball coach and a real good administrator. Uh, my son, as you know, went to JMU and your dad had an effect on his life in a, in a real, real positive way. So uh, yeah. I knew, I know that uh, it was special for you to, to live in that household. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it is nice to hear when you impact labs or he does. And um, yeah, as hard as these jobs are, ultimately that's what we're tasked to do is um, yeah. Develop young people and uh, a product of the student athlete experience, but that's great. And thanks for the kind words. Wit, you've hired a lot of coaches. Um, what do you look for in hiring a coach? And I'll just tell you, I was surprised with the basketball coach that you hired when you hired Buzz Williams. I thought it was a great, great hire. Um, and, and your other coaches have been great hires. But what in particular do you look for when you're hiring a coach? Yeah, I've been doing this long enough to have missed on a, a few too, right? Um, well, I, nobody bats yeah, a thousand. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I, I've learned it's an inexact science. Um, but, you know, a few things that I, I, I hope I've learned or I know I've learned is you know, in, in a coach search, we all might have a wish list of, of who we're interested. I think it's really important to get as quickly from your wish list to the list of people that will actually say yes to your job. I feel like you can. I don't mind chasing some people, recruiting them on the wish list. Um, but if you chase ones that aren't realistic, you lose the ones that maybe go elsewhere that really wanted uh, your job. So I would say getting the wish list down to who is it, the real group that will say yes to my job and, and and really wants to be here? I like to use a really small group, sometimes just one, two um, people in a search process. Um, every leak has a motive. Um, confidentiality is really important and people you can trust. I like to look for coaches that certainly can recruit our region, um, motivate players, all, all, all of the obvious things. I like coaches that support each other meaning if you come here to coach i'd like to see at our basketball games baseball games i like when they're a team and and root for each other at a place like virginia tech they're going to have to be in the community they're going to be really visible i like to focus on that one thing that that i really try to drill down on that i think is a great or maybe the best indicator of a coach is 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 player development right can they advance a player from freshman, sophomore, junior, senior? So I love to hear about their great recruits, but I also like to really hear examples of guys that are ladies that um, they developed, you know, this walk-on that became a top draft pick, this, that, or the other. And because, you know, recruiting, coaching, all that, but player development is um, something I really look at. And then, I, you know, a couple last things. I really like hiring coaches that have had to hustle somewhere, right? Um Tons of respect for Ohio State and Texas, but if I'm hiring somebody from there and that's the only place they've been, I'm not sure they can relate to what I'm offering um, from a resource standpoint. So I, I wouldn't say it's a requirement, but I really like hiring coaches that have had to really hustle somewhere, lower division, lower resource, um, and have done that. And then the last thing, you know, if they can't answer these two questions, it, it's not going to work. Why do you want my why do you have interest in this job, right? And if they say, oh, it's Power 5, it's ACC. No, I want to hear why Virginia Tech. And then the next question is, why should I hire you? What differentiates you 
you may not know my other candidates, but what differentiates you and what skills do you bring to the table? So that's just a few bits and pieces. The way you interview could be another. Um, but those are some of the things that come to mind uh, when evaluating coaches trying to find the right fit. Great. That is really, really good. Thank you. Let's go on another subject here. Um, with, as you are moving from place to place on your journey, what advice would you give to a young Whitbabcock? <laughs> I like that one. Um, shoot, probably a lot, my goodness. But I, patience a little bit. I think, you know, looking at it now, even if you're God's gift to athletic administration in college, it is probably at minimum a 20-year journey. Um from your start to, to AD, right? If you start at 22, 42 is pretty young. There might be some that beat that, but, you know, it, it, it's a journey. And I, I learned that comparison is the thief of joy, right? I may be at a spot learning a lot and, you know, I see somebody else moving up and other people and I think I'm behind and, you know, it's kind of like climbing a mountain. Sometimes you need more time in base camp to sharpen your tools and get your ropes ready. If you Climb that mountain before you're ready, right? You get altitude sickness. Maybe you don't make it at that level and you got to come back down. So I've learned that it's a journey. It's not a race. Um, kind of like climbing Mount Everest. 4,000 people have done it. I don't think too many of them worry about what how long it took them to get up there. They just made it. So patience. Um, I'd also say, you know, I would tell myself with who you work for is more important than your title. Um, and, and what I mean by that, you know, let's take the NFL, for example, if you could be on Bill Belichick's staff as a tight ends coach versus a coordinator, somebody else, I might take the tight ends coach, right? Meaning Bill Belichick is proven to develop people and put them out as, as head coaches. So I see some younger people and probably even did this myself looking at titles, money, but who can truly develop you or to continue that metaphor of climbing a mountain. We all need a Sherpa, you know, to help us um, get up there. I, I would remind myself to build genuine relationships. I think at first it was more, hey, what can you do for me? I would say one genuine with, with you as I got a little older, you were kind enough um, to let me come to Boston to meet with you. You took me to a fabulous Italian dinner and you gave me unbelievable wisdom. And I'll always be grateful for that genuine relationship and that paid off uh, greatly. Um, I would tell the younger folks too, or my younger self, there's going to be an impact on your family. I've been at six schools. My oldest son has lived in five states. Um, they were great, but it does take a bit of a toll. Um, you know, and I would also, I guess one other thing I would recommend to younger people or my younger self that every job you take you should probably go into it looking at it as a destination job. And I've had six different schools and only one place did I go to thinking I would leave um, after. And I think that helps keep you you rooted. Um, but yeah, knowing your purpose, having some self-awareness, there'd be a lot I would tell my 20-year-old self, but thanks for the question. Oh, that's a, that's a really, really good answer. And you know, it does take a toll on the family. I've lived in six places as well. Mm -hmm. Um, it does take a toll, but you know, there's so many benefits too that right. you, 
you and I can can offer our children uh, yeah. that that really really uh, counterbalance that a little bit. Yeah. With you've you've won championships, you you've had tremendous success off of the fields. What what are the things that have satisfied you the most that you've been the most excited about? You know, this is an, an overused word, um, but but culture. I like building teams. I, I, I take a lot of pride in that. I, I enjoy that. Um, I think we've made tremendous strides in the area of mental health and, and all the ways that we surround our student athletes. You know, I, I tell our current student athletes, there will never be a time in your life that you'll have more people supporting you, trying to help you be successful. It doesn't happen in pro sports. It doesn't happen in work. So I can't coach. I can't play. But I feel like if I if we can hire the right coaches and surround them with the right people, it's just simply a math equation. At some point, um, the scale will move and, and, and we'll be successful. So I, I guess I take take pride in the wonderful people we have here. Um, yeah, building culture, um, impacting the student athletes. I don't get to see them near as much um, as I would like, but those are a few few things that come to mind. Um, yeah, proud of our capital campaign, proud of uh, how our student athletes and we work with them to, you know, come out of social justice stronger, a lot of things, right? Um, it's so much more than just the games on the field. Um, but yeah, just taking proud in building teams. I like to see when people on my staff uh, do great things. It's like a, a, a proud parent. So I enjoy that the most. And I'm learning a lot more that you got to, you know, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So um, yeah, lots of, lots of um, things I've learned there. I don't know that I'm hitting on exactly what you were looking for, but those are some things that come to mind. You're one of the hardest working ADs. I know that. It's it's been. It's, <laughs> I don't know, but I'll take it's, it. It's been talked about uh, in circles for a while. How do you relax? How do you get away from it? Um, and 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 which is really good for your mental health as well. Right. Yeah, that's a great question. You know. Everybody talks about work-life balance. That implies that it's 50-50, right? You know, I like work-life harmony. Sometimes it's 100% family. It's 100% work. How, how do you blend it together? Um, it does take more of a mental toll, right? Exercise is always a, a good option. But for me, I like to, I have some property. I like to get outside, um, cut wood, clear brush, wear my body out. And I like to see instant gratification, right? Even if I get on a tractor and mow grass, I can look back and take pride um, in that. So um, other people it's reading, uh, I think you have to, you don't have to, I think it certainly helps to have a spiritual component. Um, but if you get that figured out, how everybody can decompress, I would like the the cliff notes on that one. The um, What I've learned is it, it is work is hardly ever out of your mind and you've got to have those chances to refresh. Um, one of my former bosses, I, I thought this was ridiculous. Now I think it's brilliant. He actually was disciplined enough to tell everybody and their brother when he was going on vacation and he would leave his cell phone on his desk. And he said, the, the assistant has my number and the place better be burning down if you call me. And he would think about how hard that would be unplugged from a phone and not even have it. 
for over a week. I, I might try that strategy coming up soon, but it will eat you alive and you don't make good decisions when you're tired, stressed and reaction mode. So um, I like to do that and it gives me time to think and ponder and, and recenter. When I didn't realize what a great institution Virginia Tech is. Um, and then when I was working at the University of Kentucky, we hired a president named David Rosell that had come from Virginia Tech. And know yeah. you know David Rosell, and, and I worked for him at Kentucky, but he was on the forefront of, while he was at Tech, on the forefront of emails. Okay. And you had the best computer <laughs> at the time at Virginia Tech. Yeah. And he came to us with emails and he would send emails at one in the morning, two in the morning. I mean, it was amazing. Yeah. But you were so far ahead of other people. Talk about your academics. Oh, yeah. That's not. Oh, and, and there's lots of wonderful institutions. I've worked at six. They were all great. You know, the, some unique things about Virginia Tech that I've noticed and why I love it so much. You know, there is a there is a sense of place here, a strong sense of place. I don't know, you know, the buildings are all made of stone. Um, our, our tagline is this is home and it's not a marketing slogan. It's really something that draws people together. You know, we're unique in the fact we're have a core of cadets. Um, you know, we have 30,000 undergraduates, 1500 of them are still in the core of cadets. Us in Texas A&M have that. So Honor integrity um, in the middle of our campus is a tribute to the eight Medal of Honor winners who have been tech graduates. Um, largest, most comprehensive school in the state. Um, you know, and people love Virginia Tech, right? We don't have a pro team. You don't see in this region of the country any other schools' T-shirts. Um, it's something. And then even our our student attendance. At football games, Gene, you know, while everybody is talking about how theirs are going down, we get 15,000 all in there before kickoff and sell it out and and they come every week. So academically, certainly the STEM areas at Virginia Tech, science, technology, engineering and math are big. Um, it is a true land grant institution. I'm from Virginia and um, it fits me wonderfully, but I'm really proud to be here and we're proud of our place knowing that there's a lot of good places out there. But, yeah, I'm kind of biased to this one. You know, trying to win a game at night at Virginia Tech is really, really, really hard yeah. on any opponent. I mean, it just it, yeah. your place is so loud. Yeah, we need to get it back to being get into hard. it. Yeah, too many people have won in there lately, but we'll get it back. But you're right, that fan uh they don't come to spectate, they come to participate. So it's good stuff. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, they really do. When, why would I, as somebody who's living in Virginia or somewhere near Virginia Tech, why would I want to tie myself to your organization? And it's told me about the, the upward mobility that you and your staff are putting together at Tech. Yeah, yeah that's a great question. Why would somebody want to do it? Um, You know, I, I I think they're they would be I know they would be involved in a um, you know a, a dynamic organization. I hope for that. Um, 
we do try to be very transparent on everything from budget, teach everybody in the department the bigger picture. Um, I think we're we're good at career development. Really, the best thing I can do when we interview people about having them be a part of our team, I'll say my part, and then we put them out, and I go, after you meet all the people that you do today, uh, I think that'll be the best recruiting tool for Virginia Tech. So I can sell it, but I think the people that are here um, speak for themselves, and and people make the difference, right? We certainly have a good budget, but we can't outspend people, so we've got to outpeople them. So hopefully giving them a chance to be a part of a team that's on the rise, um, that hopefully can turn this league upside down and move from a challenger brand to a champion brand. I could I could sell it all day, but you caught me a little off guard on that one. Our people, that's another overused term, our people are our best recruiters, and um, there's good quality of life here, and come be a part of something special. And when you come kick the tires in person, you'll see that even more clearly. Wow, well said. Hey, I'm going to date myself here. I'm a lot older than you. I think about 20 years. With, um, but I remember when Virginia Tech was all male yeah. and they were VPI. Mm-hmm. And we played them one time when I was at uh, Tennessee, I think. And I remember one of the cheers was hokey, hokey, hokey high were the boys from VPI. <laughs> yeah, you have a good memory. Yeah. So that's how old I am. Yeah, you must have started college at 10, man. I think we went co-ed in the late 60s. So, yeah, I don't I don't know. Did you? OK, yeah, I was uh, I was in high school or college in the late yeah. 60s. So there you go. That's there where you go. I that's where I was right went. around there. But yeah, yeah, the. Um, and that's where the nickname uh, Hokies came from, right? We were the Fighting Gobblers. Wild turkey is a popular or um, prevalent animal in uh, Virginia. And uh, one of the football coaches didn't like that as much. And they took on the nickname Hokies, which really means um, nothing. It's just part of a cheer. So, um, But it stuck. And I, I love the unique nickname. I think it separates us there. So Somewhere in the 80s, we went from the Fighting Gobblers to the Hokies. And now if people say, what is a Hokie? Somebody from here simply replies that I am. And that's how we go with it. So that's yeah, awesome. we were there, we were the, the What's gobblers. a Hokie? I am. Yeah, that's it. When you meet a student, what's a Hokie? I am. And that that's it. So uh, that nickname comes from a cheer from the way back days. And uh, it's stuck. It's, it's pretty cool. No other Hokies out there. No other Hokies out nicknames, there. Nicknames. Nicknames, yes. With... I never had to deal with some of the things that ADs today are having to deal with. Um, one of them uh, is the transfer portal, but the other one is name, image, and likeness. Can you expound on what you think about NIL? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's still new, but we've learned a lot um, already. I think it'll continue to evolve. And, and probably like Eugene, I think in the the purest sense of it, the intent of it, right? is after someone gets to your school, you know, if a regular student can monetize their name, image, and likeness, sell clothes, sing music, shoot, even give golf lessons uh, to kids and profit from their name, image, and likeness. I'm good with that. And as you know, the practitioners, when we saw this coming, we said that's quickly going to change from purity to a recruiting inducement on the front end, right? And that's certainly happening. And you know, I, I believe we lost our way a bit. Um, looking back, 
you know, the NCAA is sticking on the word amateurism. We probably should have said we do currently pay student athletes. We pay them in university currency. Out of state at Virginia Tech is $50,000. So what would an adult have to make before taxes to pay that? We lost the, the messaging. But in a way, too, Gene, I think we will see a shift as we're going out of this collegiate model. Right. Television's been the best and the worst thing, in my opinion, um, for college sports. It's brought more visibility, more interest. Uh, it, it's off the charts, but it brought all this money. Right. And we, when we couldn't, quote, pay the student athletes, where did we park the money? We built mammoth facilities. We paid coaches a ton. ADs make a lot. We, 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 we do all that in this arms race. And now I'm looking at it and I think that big ship is starting to turn. If you look at an NFL training camp gene they got an indoor facility but it's probably just a bubble it's nothing that big or that extravagant it's functional may i interrupt you just for a minute yeah just tell you that that's what the patriots have and they played in nine super bowls and one of them and and weight rooms right um functional but you pay the players and this is what i've learned too i can't think of a single free agent in any sport that i've ever heard change teams because of facilities they might have wanted to live in Miami. They might have wanted to be with this coach, this team, or they just got paid the most. I've never heard it. So this whole model, what I think we may see in the end, actually name, image, and likeness, if we could bring it in-house, would be less expensive than the model we have now. Meaning, Gene, if if I've got a $10 million locker room renovation, but the locker room's pretty good, I, I probably can't do this, but if... For example, if I walked into our players and I said, guys, you want me to try to raise $10 million, make this locker room better, or all y'all good with a $20,000 each name, image, and likeness deal? I'm pretty sure they'd take the name, image, and likeness deal. So this may evolve, and maybe there'll be revenue sharing, maybe there'll be collective bargaining, who knows? But I really do think in a way, when it's all said and done, even though there's lots of challenges, I do think it will reset the financial model where more is invested in student athletes and that the facilities arms race um, might slow down a bit. I'm not sure how much facilities ever mattered, really. We always thought they did. I think they have to be competitive. Um, But again, if we're going into more of a pro type thing, look at the pro um, facilities. So we're educating our donor base on that, right? That we've been hitting you up for facilities for years and we'll still do that. But it may be less expensive and jumpstart is quicker in football and other things um, to invest in name, image, and likeness. So it's a new era. It's upon us. Um, and I think those that are quicker to shift the paradigm away from the old models and big, you know, we got to have the same facilities as everybody else. I think they will be the quickest to adapt and the most successful. Wow. Well said. Really well said. And And you know what? You're right on. The thing that keeps me going as crazy as it all is, I still believe there is something in the sauce on the student athlete experience. I'm a product of it. You're a product of it. It teaches you how to win with class, lose with grace, interact with people, different religions, races, orientations, finances, um, teamwork, um, taking coaching. Um, 80% of the women in C-suites and Fortune 500 companies identify as a former student athlete. Some of them, I'm sure, mean high school. But there is something in the sauce, and that purpose right there is that nugget that I can continue to hold on to um, and feel good about what I'm doing. 
Well, we're out of time on this week's On The Fly. I'm your host, Gene DeFilippo, and I want to thank our guest, Whit Babcock, for being with us. But most of all, I want to thank our listeners out there. Thanks for your time this time, and we'll see you next time.